Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello, and welcome to Sugar, Silk and Stretch, a unique boxing podcast brought to you exclusively by Ace Podcast Nation. My name is Ben Doughty. My name is Michael Silk Olajide. And we still don't have the stretch, but he is coming back. You know, any crazy rumours you may or may not have heard, we can neither confirm nor deny them. But Gary will be back pretty soon. Silk, um, there was yeah, a... Yeah, we miss you, fight. Gary. Yeah, we do. We, it's, it's not the same without him. I mean, certain things, I don't know. It's, we started this as Sugar and Silk, and we'll soldier on regardless, but he will be back. Um, Silk, uh, last night in San Francisco, Devin Haney pitched a virtual shutout, or even an actual shutout, over... Regis Progre um, yeah. did a real number on him, knocked him down with a with a lead right hand in the second round, and just dominated the the whole twelve rounds. Really, um, your thoughts? My first, uh, my first initial thought was, I mean, they talked a lot of smack before this fight, didn't they? they? Both did. Yeah, they they were going well. I, I Progre did, that's for sure. I know that. I know. Um, Haney's father, they were going at it. So it was a lot of back and forth there. Uh, it's kind of really, when you talk that level of, of stuff and you go into a fight and that's the performance, that's, that, those are the results. I, uh, it's just not a good feel. You don't have a good feeling about yourself. I don't know what Progre is going to do because that kind of level he talked. I mean, everyone in the world that knows him watched yeah. that fight. And now he has to face that. Like, it's almost better sometimes to go out on your shield than it is just to know you went the distance. And to get completely shut out like that, like you were never at the races with the guy, completely owned. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I don't think it was like a thrashing every round. You know what I mean? And, and, and the thing is, Haney was, you know, as usual, like he was careful. Yeah, and if, he's, and if he's careful, he's respectful. And and but here's the thing: if he if he just picked up the intent of trying to get work to get the guy out of the ring, work to get him out. If he worked to get Progre out, he probably would have stopped him. And and he would be that much further ahead because of it. He'd have a lot more um, 
I guess, respect from other fighters. And You know what, people? That's what I saw today. Uh, people said it was a punch-perfect performance in a lot of ways and you can't fault him. But they said, but if you could fault him, you could say he could have tried a little bit harder, easy, you know, harder to close the show. He yeah. could simply be a little bit better at closing the show when you're that superior to a man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an, it's an ability. And, and once you start putting your hands on a dude and, and they can't hit you back, then you start being, you, you know, you, you understand you kind of got him t- tamed and he'll go for all the things that you want him to go for. It's not every single fighter is like that in every single fight. So um, I don't know if they're maybe a little bit afraid of, you know, him getting caught by a lucky punch, but lucky punches don't happen. We don't believe in lucky punch, do we? No, absolutely not. Do you know what? If, if I, I don't want to sidetrack from, from the fight we're discussing, but if I was trying to think of any kind of scenario closest to a lucky punch I've ever seen, I wonder if you can think of any. One that I, springs to my mind is when Audley Harrison, remember him, got knocked no. out by Mike. Sorry, he knocked out Michael Sprott at the, uh, I believe it was Alexander Pavilion, yeah. for about 2011. And um, he was losing the fight by a street. And I swear to God, Audley, who was never the bravest guy temperament-wise, he closed his eyes and he threw this overhand southpaw left and it connected and he knocked Sprott Spark out. That is the closest thing I've ever seen. To, I always decry the lucky punch until, to me, that's the preserve and the language of the casual. Um, but that's the closest I can see. Have you? What about you, Chris Eubank? Did you see Chris Eubank versus Michael Watson, the, 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 the almost tragic fight, the rematch? No, I didn't. Well, you, I don't know if you heard that Michael Watson is was in a bad way ever since. He's recovered remarkably, and it's been very inspirational, his kind yeah. of recovery to relative normality and mobility. But he yeah. was in a coma for, for quite a while, and he was wheelchair-bound for, a, for an, a long time. And, you know, to the point where when he rose up and was able to walk the marathon, that was a very inspirational thing But mm-hmm. years later. But he was battering Chris Eubank Jr., sorry, Sr., in the – you got to the 11th round – and he was dominating him. And then he put Eubank down. And it was just like the icing on the cake. And you thought, Eubank's going to get stopped here, even as tough as he is. Then as Watson came in for the to, to, to finish him, I'm not going to say for the kill, um, Eubank threw this prayer of a, of a right uppercut. He just, it looked so instinctive. And it rocked Watson back on his heels. And Watson went down. And unfortunately, it hurt him. And he was in, the bell rang, but he was in a bad way. And he shouldn't have been allowed out with hindsight for the 12th round. Eubank batted him as soon as the 12th round commenced and the referee stopped it quite quickly. But he took a lot of unanswered shots and then fell down unconscious. And then suddenly they had a kind of a hospital situation on their hands. That was that was another scenario I'd say is about as close to a lucky punch as you'll ever see. But it's still not it's still not luck, is it? It's, it's not luck because that's exactly what Chris Eubanks, he was still trying to do. He was trying to hit him with the shot. He threw the shot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with, with purpose and with intent, and because he threw with intent, that's not that's not lucky at that point. Even if the person closes their eyes and throws the punch, it, I don't think that was lucky because that's something like you have to know how to punch and you have to know when to punch. And I'm oh. sure someone else, if you if you if you'd have stuck like Dave from Dagenham or Arkansas in there, he probably could have closed his eyes and thrown a shot, and it wouldn't have done anything at all. So yeah, <laughs> exactly. I love yeah, to- so- Let's say hello to Bruce Gass, uh, boxing jazz and more. Um, he seems a pretty cultured guy. Good, he, he understands guys like Marlon Starling and the and the like. So he's a good person right. to be watching us. Hey, what's uh, up? Thanks for joining us. So, I mean, what instances do you remember, like when fighters they can hold their head up after talking that kind of smack and then not, and then giving that kind of uh, that kind of fight, giving us that performance. Kind of fight. Yeah. 
I don't know if you saw the post-fight press conference and any remarks from Regis Pogray. I just watched a bit. You know, it comes up on your feed on, on social media. Uh-huh. And he said, well, you know, uh, uh, I, I'm a, you know, he was the better man one. I like that. When You know, when basically the, the performance suggests not only was he the better man tonight, he's the better man every night of your life between now and doomsday. And <laughs> nobody in your family tree could beat anybody in his entire genealogy either. It looked like. <laughs> But they always say the better man won on the night. I lost to a better man on the night, you know. So they yeah, 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 yeah. So he yeah. said that, and he said, "I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm going to go back, at, you know, to the drawing board. I, I, I'm going to work on what I did wrong. That's what I do. I, yeah. I'm, I'm going to get better." And whereas, yeah. you know, um, it's- his corner, his corner tells him with one round left. He, he said, "The corner says you have one round left. You have to." You have to knock him out or something like that. But they don't tell him. There's no communication. How can they? Yeah, he has to knock him out. How does he do it? Every single round that happened in that fight, there was a point when his corner man could have said something to him. And and from I didn't hear every round, obviously, in between every round. But it seemed to me that his plan never changed. Nothing shifted up. He had no ability. Like, he was in first gear and stayed in first gear the whole fight. And that's the thing, like, what are trainers doing? I mean, I understand, you know, ultimately it's the, fight, the fighter takes a beating, he takes the pain, he gets the, the main cut of the money, all the rest of that kind of stuff. But at some point, the trainer has to be responsible for some of those things as well because, I mean, you're, you are a fighter's brain trust. As the trainer, you're yeah. the brain trust. And, you, and you've put the strategy together and all those things, you, you by yourself, you've studied – you know, Devin Haney, all his weaknesses, all his strengths. And you, what you've done is you've taken Pro Gray and you've put him in the gym for two, three months and you've taught him the little idiosyncrasies, the little things that are going to make a difference that he's going to be able to get to Devin Haney to. Why shouldn't he be able to? It's not like he's and, slow. He's not and like here he's comes Devin Haney doing exactly what he does. So it's not he, like it's nothing was any different. And, and they didn't give him one thing because I didn't see him adjust at one point in the fight. And he did a number of things which are which are absolutely crazy. I'm like, what is he doing? Um, when he, um, he was always stepping as a southpaw. He was always stepping over to Devin Haney's right hand. Yeah. And I, I don't believe the right hand is the best. You know what I mean? The best punch you hit a southpaw with is what you hit him with. I don't think it's necessarily the straight right hand all the time. But when you're squaring up and you're moving right into it, then yes, of course it is. Of course you're going to nail him with it, yeah. Yeah. I I think the right hand is a good shot against a southpaw, but we've spoken about it before. If you think that's all No, the left hook is better. But the right hand is good too. Yeah, every punch is good if you hit him with it. But do you know, is it true to say that Haney did observe that basic... Uh, boxing 101 logic of moving to his left a lot of the time against the guy last night. Most of and the time. that's the thing, like fights, it, that's why it could be such so much more of an easier fight for Progray if he would have just like this is Devin Haney. He been he bought into it. It's like that's the that's the theory or that's the you know what I mean. That's the legend. And so now he's he's playing he's playing his game. And so what you need to do, you need to exploit that. You need to do things around it. Let me give you a simple thing about Devin Haney, what Devin Haney always does, and the reason why Tank is going to beat him if they fight. Every time he throws his jab, his right hand disappears, goes behind him like this. So he's got reflexes. He's fast. He's got, you know what I mean? But Progress guys don't teach him that. Like every time this man throws a jab, he's open. That's the time to counter. That's the time to initiate. Yeah. 
Pruger is, is he's waiting. He just, he's waiting for for Devin Haney to stop and give him a turn. And the nature of Devin Haney's style is never to stop. His feet are always moving. So so the puncher or the aggressive person always has to set before he punches. So this kid doesn't know how to punch and move simultaneously. He Progre has to wait until Devin Haney's finished punching because Devin Haney gets off faster. And then once he's finished punching, then he can cut, then he can punch. But then Devin Haney's not there. So what can you do in order to you know, in order to counter that? Well, well, as soon as Devin Haney throws, you make a miss and then you counter. Devin Haney's predictable in that he's going to throw probably 50 to 60% of his punches are going to be jabs in a whole fight. 50 to 60% are going to be jabs, right? That's yeah. pretty much like the, the thing on him. So you know that. That's his main weapon. You need to do things to counter that jab. And, and there's a billion things you can do. He throws his jab, drop down, come over with the right hand. He throws his jab, slip into the left, come with the left hook. He throws, he throws his jab again, you pull back. And and, and come in, you counter with a, a left hand or a right hand. There's a million and one things he can do, and he didn't do one. And that tells you the problem was his trainer. You know, we've said it before, Michael, that they're okay when they've got a fighter who's winning and they just get back to because you don't need to tell a guy a lot when he's doing well sometimes and everything's working out the way you thought it would. You give him water, you say, Yeah, that's looking good. Be a little careful with this. Be careful of that, blah, 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 and send him out again. But when there's mm -hmm. a crisis and when you really need to earn your money, they often seem to find themselves wanted, don't they? You know, where they, yeah. they don't yeah. have anything to play. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't hear anyone shifting up and, you know what I mean? They get emotional. What are you doing? And all that's that kind of stuff. It's, it isn't, uh, there, there needs to be a school for, for a lot. I mean, there are some great trainers, but there are a lot of trainers that they just don't get it. They don't understand what, what they're there for. Yeah, yeah, by the way, some people have suggested it. Bruce and Sarge have suggested that maybe he's getting a little long in the tooth. Pro Gray, maybe he's a little shop one. Maybe he's a little shocked. Maybe he's on the. He's past noon. That is another factor that some people are highlighting. How much did he? How much did he make last night? Money. Mm. Um, no. Oh, money. How much? What well, I said. I said money. Yeah, how much money did he make? I don't know what the purse is worth, to be fair. Maybe maybe Simon, if he's in the background, because he said he'd be joining us at some point, could find out. Maybe someone else could tell me. I mean, you know that, that Haney doesn't fight for change. I, I would imagine it was it would have been a seven-figure payday, but quite what it was, I don't know, I must admit. For, for a program? For, for yeah, him. yeah, for a program, would have got seven figures. I mean, it, three to four million, says Abid Ali, who's, we're calling the professor, so he's not normally wrong. No, Progre got that for oh yeah. It, it wouldn't surprise me, Silk. And if Abby Abby won't be guessing, he won't be guessing. I don't think. <laughs> There's another thing that happened in that fight. Um, I, I guess when the reality, like the punches, always bring reality to the forefront. And I guess when he felt Haney's uh, punch, when he uh, either jab or hook or right hand, whatever it was, something told him this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And and one of the main things in boxing, the most successful fighters have like a built-in pain management. Yeah. If pain is causing you discomfort to the level that you cannot operate and you can't get through it around it and think through it, you're finished. You're like, there's nothing you can do. And 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 to me, that looked like he Progre didn't look in that fight against Haney. I haven't seen any of his other fights, but hard, he couldn't operate feeling that pain. 
he got yeah. very careful and he was picking his shots and very predictable punches and and um and it was and it was you know it was a safe performance. Bruce says that I think Regis just met a better fighter. I've talked to his trainer Bobby Benton and I can't put the blame on him. Um, that was just a, a view there. You know? Okay, so and what part of your conversation with Bobby Benton did he have? Like what? I don't know. I mean, I guess yeah. he's spoken to him in the past. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but what what part would make him think? I guess he's just formed a bit of a trainer. I'm sure he's a nice. Listen, I'm sure he's a nice guy, and he obviously has somebody who's world rated. So he's doing something right. I'm just saying, when you get to the door, when you're there, you're at the ball, and you're. Do you know? Do you know? Alexander Usyk demoted one of his trainers once. He didn't fire him. He uh, just made. He just demoted him from head trainer, and and he was simply a, a cambade after that. And Usyk said. He's a nice guy, but being a nice guy is not a profession. Yeah. <laughs> that was what he said, you know. So I thought that was quite resonant, you know. That, um, yeah. It's interesting well, what you say. You know what, you know what, ben, that's very interesting because fighters will rarely make that move because they have emotional ties with their trainer. For, for, for a fighter to fire his trainer, it has to be something like berserk in order for that to, you know what I mean? Well, you say that, but a lot a lot of fighters, it's been more fashionable in recent years, hasn't it, for fighters to yeah. lose a big fight and then move on. They decide, you know, that, that it was they could do better somewhere else because it, sometimes maybe there's something valid in their desire to learn something else and, and put things right. But other times, maybe it's a lack of a willingness to accept the blame and the loss, take it on their own, you know, shoulders mm -hmm. sometimes. But, but the thing is to say... If you're world rated, you're world rated, and you have ability, and and to be, you know, completely overwhelmed or or, or defeated without much resistance, uh, not yeah. even able to make one stand, you know what I mean? Or or that kind of weighs with a fighter and it weighs with a trainer, and and they need to their level of communication just isn't right. It what just... do you think of all this mandatory trash talk these days? And not just that, but these bit players and characters, you know, like the, the fathers, uh, you know, you got yeah. John Fury does it too, but you had Bill Haney yeah. doing it as well. Yeah. What, what I When I was looking at them on stage, talking all this smack and the dad getting involved and, and whoever else got involved on, you know, on Progray's side, I um, what I was I was trying to picture Joe Lewis and Max Schmeling doing it, you know, just for the sake of humor. I tried to trans transpose them with Lewis and Schmeling shouting at each other, and I just, I mean, I know things have changed, and you know, somebody, you know, somebody on Twitter watched our Nigel Collins bit the other day, and he said, you know, when Nigel's saying it, it's a joke, and I want to throw stuff at the TV when they say the Four Bells era, someone said, don't tell me that the Silk, if he was magically restored back to full sight and youth, wouldn't fight for an alphabet title, which the thing is, you did anyway. And he yeah. said, he said, old school bitties yelling at clouds is neither here nor there or has no relevance to modern boxing participation. <laughs> and um, so that was what he, he was kind of saying, you know, that it's that we're not accepting, th you know, the content that we're putting out, we're not accepting things change. I guess that was the whole idea. And it, well, no, no, no. But, but the thing is, I mean, I'm absolutely accepting of change. Uh, listen, change is inevitable. It's going to happen. It happens on every single day on this earth, on this planet. You know what I mean? If there was no change, there would be no life on the planet. It would just be like, a, you know. <laughs> yeah. The earth would be atrophied. Yeah, yeah. They, it would not, it would not be, a, you know, it wouldn't be a living organism. And and so, so yeah, um, I do believe in I do believe in change, and I do believe things 
you know, they evolve and they have to get, you know, you would think they would get better. And I think that's the thing. It's not like boxing is getting better than it was. It's not like boxers are getting better than they were. And I does, think does it does it turn you off some of the modern histrionics and the production of the whole show or what? It doesn't turn me off. I, I just wonder, sometimes I just look at individuals and I say, how do you see yourself afterwards? Like, how, how do you, as a, as a grown man, how are you going at, you know, going at it? How, are you, how do you get into that situation where you're going at it with your son's opponent? Like, yeah. you're, you're offended by what he said to your son? Of course he's going to say something to your son. That's who he's fighting. So yeah. I don't understand unless you're going to put the gloves on and go at it with him. I don't understand why you're coming back at him. And I understand that because my father was the same way. He'd say guys things to my opponents and I'd be like, Thanks. you don't need to give them any more inspiration than they need. Yeah, you know it's, I mean? it's, not, it's me they're coming after, not you. Exactly, yeah. I'm like, yo. But by the way, we've had another question about your beverage. We, we seem to get that quite a lot, the intrigue based on that. Uh, Bruce says, quick question. Silk is always drinking that same stuff. What is it? Looks like eggs. Eggs. <laughs> it actually, you know what? Oh my God, I've been found out. I, I'm really into the, I, I, you know, when you watch Rocky for the first time, did you not drink raw eggs? I did it a couple of times, but you know what? I did it more because Ali said he did it in his autobiography. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I you, saw believed Rocky him? Doing you believed him? I don't think he did. Ali? Yeah, I don't think he well, did. Listen, Ali's autobiography, because I, I read it when I was like 13. I took it hook, line, and sinker at that age. I, I realise now it was heavily ghosted. It was heavily ghosted. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's not really Ali straight to you. It, it's a, it's a, it's the product of, of years course. he spent with Richard Durham, his writer. Yeah. But he, do you know what he said? Because he said, what did he say? You know, what I never understood about Ali, young Cassius Clay, according to autobiography, he used to work at, he used to go to school till 4 p.m., yeah? That's when school finished. He went to Louisville Central High, right? Then he um, he said he worked from four to six for the Catholic Sisters, he called them. Mm -hmm. Then he said from six to eight, he trained at Fred Martin's Columbia Street Gym. And then at eight to midnight, he, he, he would train for four hours at the black gym that Fred Stoner ran on the east side of Louisville, which were, where he got his real stuff from because they were black, right? Obviously, <laughs> they're superior to Caucasian management and, 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 and nurturing. So anyway... What he didn't seem to allow for was any transit time between these gigs. He would, he would literally, he was like, <laughs> school till four, four to six, six to eight. Magically teleport, yeah. He, he was so quick, even then. He literally just got to the next destination before the room was dark or whatever. Yeah. Well, you know me. If Ali said it, I believe it. You do. You're, you're very, see, the thing is, one thing, one point I would like to make to you, I hope you understand this, I love Ali to death. I'm not going to say more than you or more than life or anything, but Ali is my idol. And even more, Sugar Ray Leonard is probably my favorite fighter, pure fighter. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply box or whatever but but Ali is my idol and he means more to me a little bit more to me than Ray does when I think of the whole the enormity of life I think what would Ali do I don't think what would Ray what would Ray do I love Ray as well huh? but because I had that debate with you on, and I argued that Shavay Robinson was was probably a greater fighter pound for pound based on this that and the other 
Um, I don't want to think. I, I, Ali means much more to me than Robinson ever would, ever could. I, mean, I, I love he Ali. Means as much more. He means more, but you think Sugar Ray is physically a better fighter? Do you know? No. Uh, do you know what? And I think that was the point you made. I don't think when, when you talk about greatness, you have a certain take on it. And I understand that you're coming. Yours is pure boxing and that's all that matters. And I respect that. As I said to you, more people, if we, if we had a whole load of historians and respected men of letters around the table, more, than, more of them would agree with me about the Robinson thing, what the argument I was propagating, than you. But on, and, I, I, told and you I bet you if we, had, if we had a series of all fighters, yeah, not, exactly, because that, that they would agree with me and not with you. Well, you say that, but it depends from what era. Because, but, 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 but that, that's not what I want to get into. What I would say is, I said to you when we actually broke it down, because I, I feel I am more paper learned on boxing than you are in terms of things you're supposed to know. Inverted commas. You, you're you're not affected by that. You're, you you've just got your completely organic take on it. And then when we sat down and had that debate, I said this to you at the time. I felt that you won. And when you said, "Well, listen." Everybody says Robinson's the greatest, and it's and it's said, and it's reinforced again and again and again. You said, well, he doesn't have the world title record Ali had when he had those 20 defences over two reigns. He has three of a welterweight title. He had sorry, eight of the welterweight title and three from five reigns in the middleweight title. You mm -hmm. said he doesn't look better aspect for aspect, and we went through that, and I conceded that to you. And there was a bunch of things... Um, See, if you're cool and you and you really think you're not you're part of the in crowd, you never say Ali's the greatest because you you either say it's Robinson or you might even say it's but Greb or Langford. You know what I mean? That's that's mm -hmm. that kind of game. But mm -hmm. when I as a boxing man, and I'm still considering myself a boxer more than anything else, so like if people want to say a story or author, or whatever, talking to you about it, I actually ended up siding with you when we had the debate because because mm -hmm. you use a great point. There's no way on earth that, that Ali doesn't look better on film peak for peak with the footage we've got. Do you see what I'm saying? So yeah. the establishment view from people who are supposed to know what they're talking about is definitely Robinson. Even though Ali, I've always made that compartmentalization. He's the greatest heavyweight of all time. But there have yeah. been a few maybe greater fighters at other weights. But I can't honestly say that you're wrong about that. No, I can't. I, I can't remember how we got into this, but I hope yeah. I, but what that's what how we got into it. I want you to understand. I, I, I idolize Ali. I, I was not I was I'm not a Robinson man. I'm an Ali man. I want you to understand that. Okay, no well, question. Hopefully, we'll never have to answer this question again. And you, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you listen. I love Sugar Ray Robinson. I, I absolutely understand where you're, where a lot of people are coming from when they say he's the greatest. I mean, he's he like when you see Sugar Ray Robinson, he's the first like like a beautiful slick car that had never you'd never seen before, like. A Lamborghini or something. He's just he's just something so unique, and he doesn't do it the way anyone has ever done it. And and I and I really respect people that do it different and and that have a whole different way to hunt uh, because it it challenges your mind, your perceptions. It challenges your physicality, you know, um, all all those concepts. I mean, I just I love what he did differently. But then there were just some things that he that he did that weren't. You know that when you put them side to side with Ali, I think that's where you get into. That's where you get to see the difference in in your know, yeah. thoroughbreds. The only gray area we got we spoke about yes. at the time was they say Robinson's ultimate peak, which is from about 1947 to about 1950. They don't have a lot of good footage. They they got footage, but it's either really yellow and sepia, or yeah. it's really it's from a balcony in the, in the on the Madison Square Garden, or yeah, or you know, or the 
yeah. Philadelphia Stadium or something, and you can't see it properly, and that's the problem. It's frustrating. It's maddening, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. But no, you yeah. know, I, I still, I, I still fluctuate these days. You know, sometimes because I, like I say, Jack Johnson has amazing historical rep, and he's. You read the prose about Jack Johnson, and you think you're watching the most technically smooth, finessed heavyweight ever. Yeah, it looks right. like fucking Charlie Chaplin on the screen. I'm sorry. Exactly. That right? That's why. That's why when when people talk about fighters from yesteryear and everything, I I just can't believe it. I cannot because I mean, if they had today's, they have the kind of character. Obviously, they have the kind of character, personality. Uh, you know what I mean. Uh, probably even athleticism in in order to, like if they were around today, they would fill out like a normal fighter and they probably do exceptionally well, or they could be even super great as well because they have, they have the, they have the uh, videotapes. You can watch other boxes and take, and take things from them. And, you know, I mean, what about when Scully, when John Scully says the skills of the 1950s fighters are off the charts. All right. Not the 1910s. And we're, not, and we're not talking about the 1920s, but he says the 1950s, he said their skills were off the charts. And some of those things, some of the guys have lost certain things that they, you know, techniques that yeah. were more commonplace then in today's yeah. world of boxing, yeah. you know. So. Yeah. And, and he has a point. There are select fighters that do have that ability, but what they have to do more than anything, the, the one thing they have to show more than anything is like that, that toughness, that leather skin kind of, and because it's such an abusive sport on the way up. You don't it, look at Sherry Robinson was a was a, I mean look if anybody was a prospect that was you know what I mean Sherry Robinson but he didn't get you know fights like they do with fighters today coming up out of the amateurs and they're successful and they get you know they feed him like fifteen to twenty guys out of you like eh like this consider this Michael yeah consider this he he turned pro in 1940 yeah and he mm-hmm. knocked out a guy called Joe Echeverria uh, in the yeah. first round yeah. It was mm-hmm. on the undercard of Henry Armstrong losing to Fritzy Zivic. Armstrong mm-hmm. made 19 defences of the World Welterweight Championship, and then he lost it to Fritzy Zivic after 19 defences. Now, Ray boxed on the undercard. Sugar Ray made his debut that night, and he, I think he came back in a car with Armstrong or something, and he said he felt bad for Armstrong, who'd lost to Zivic, and he vowed revenge. He said, one day I'll beat Zivic. A year later, he beat Zivic twice. What, That's 1941. Insane. That is insane. <laughs> Right, that's insane. Yeah, I mean, and that's what I'm saying. Like, you you look at the fighters of that day. Like, even Ali even, didn't do that, did he? No, he didn't. But no, he didn't do that. And it was a little bit more. It was a little bit more. Like, I mean, it was obviously a lot more rough. It was dirty. I mean, but Ali in the '60s, it wasn't like it was very. It was that much better either. You know, it was still, I mean? no man. It was still rough. Honestly, it was still rough. I yeah. mean, there was not much yeah. time between them. I mean, look I mean, in the even the seventies and even in the eighties, it was ugly, and and there really weren't like just the gym culture and and the, everyone is warring. It's there's no save yourself until tomorrow. Nothing that didn't come current until like the nineties or maybe even two thousands. But yeah, it it's it's a it is a beast. It is just a grinding house. It's a grind house for real. So, going back to to Devin Haney then, obviously there's big fights out there for him, probably at 140 now. I don't know if he'll go back to lightweight now. He's a big, big guy. He was massive for lightweight. He looks big for light welter. Obviously, people talk about fights with like Tank Davis, like you said, uh, maybe Shakur Stevenson, who didn't exactly set the world alight last time um, Mm -hmm. when he boxed, but he's still undefeated and he's obviously still a a, a major league fighter. Um, you, You said... 
that you're very confident that, that Davis will beat um, Haney? I am. I, I do feel strong about, uh, you know, this kid Davis, is he's special. He's really good. So if he's got his head on right and he's got his training down, I mean, we always say that about people that we hear, you know, sort of like burn the candle at both ends or have, you know, things that yeah. cause distractions. During, and sometimes distractions work for them because they were able to, you know, garner that energy and do something positive, turn a kind of like a, a bad energy into a good energy, let's just say, and they use it to fuel their fight. Um, I I do like Davis a lot. He's one of he's one of my top five in terms of favorite fighters today. Right now, yeah, and yeah. Um, right now going, yeah. But but this kid. Uh, Here's the thing, because I, I always want to talk about this. It always frustrates me, and, and I, I don't want to get off the fight right away. I wanted to say, do you know why fighters can't let their hands go? Like this kid program, right? Like he should have been throwing more punches. I, I don't know how many he threw, but it didn't seem like he threw a lot. But throughout the whole fight, from round one to round 12. Um, well, just because they're not confident, I guess. You think it's you think he's not confident that he can hit Haney, and that's why. Yeah, and I guess people get what people always said with Floyd Mayweather. He made people really gun shy because they didn't want to get countered, um, and they yeah. were having trouble hitting him at all. Yeah, and they just it just inhibited their kind of output, really. You know, um, and, how, but, and if you had Progray, if you had Progray, how would you get him past that during the fight? Like you, you're his corner man, and you see him doing that. How do you get him past that? I think you say you just got to fight him. You got to stop trying to figure him out. Like Gil Clancy said that time, you're not going to figure him out. You've just got to fight him. You got to hit. You know, you've got to hit him in the body. You've got to go at him. You've got to try and take this to the trenches a bit. It's got to be better than what's happening now because he is absolutely dictating you at range, and you are. He's picking you off at will. You know, whichever direction he goes in. So you got to fight him. What was that? That was the picture on the wall. You see, it's lower now. Yeah, yeah, you're lower. Yeah, you are. Yeah, I almost got decapitated by the picture. <laughs> that would have been the clickbait. <laughs> that would have been some good TV, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I would have I would have seen it with bittersweet mixed emotions, the whole affair, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. All right, so anyway, it missed. I wish Hearns would have missed that off. What about Crawford at 147, says um, Abid Ali, thinking ahead with Devin Haney? Crawford and Haney? I, I mean, I believe Crawford would be too much for him. Way too strong. So, so do Way I. Way too strong, too intelligent, too too much everything. No, that he would run him out the ring. That would be the worst fight for him to take, I think. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, basically what I was saying, like in terms of, I believe what you have to do as a trainer is you have to, you have to get your fighter to start punching before he gets there. You don't wait till you get there because you have a kid like Haney. You're never going to get there. You have to punch on your way in. And you have to say to yourself, okay, the first two punches, you just they're throwaways. You're looking, you're looking to hit him with the third punch. The first and second punch are giveaways. You're laying down the fire, right? It's cover fire, just like in warfare. It's cover fire before you get there or you, so you can maneuver behind the punches. But you can't just... You know, you wait, you walk, you wait, and you're waiting for this opportunity to just present itself where the guy's going to let you hit him on the chin. And that's not how Haney fights. He, he's always moving, and it, because he's always moving, you're always picking up your feet. If you're a puncher, you're always picking up your feet. That makes you a less effective puncher. You can't punch. They generally, punchers can't generally move and punch simultaneously. 
it's the Sugar Ray Robinson could, by the way. Sugar Ray Robinson could do that. That was what was rare yeah, about him. No, that was that was amazing about him. And Ali could do it, and Sugar Ray Leonard can do it, and you yeah. know, there, there are a lot of fighters that could, but that's one of the things that also you know, with Sugar Ray and Hagler, Hagler had that problem because Sugar Ray didn't plant his feet. And so Hagler didn't have the chance to, you know, let go and take control of that fight. But that's the problem with Pro Gray last night that that needed to be, like, said to him immediately. Like, start punching before you get there. Don't get there and then start punching because when you get there, he punches. He's got quick reflexes. He lets his hands go. And he's wait, waiting for you to move into range. You move into range. He throws, and he's back out again. You're pivoting and turning, and forget it. You'll never catch a guy like that. You have to initiate, but you need to throw some punches first because he's not going to exchange with you. So if no, you start before you get into range, you're good. Yeah. Uh, well, like I say, I think I suppose it's demoralizing to be in a position that the progway was in last night, you know, um, and that obviously takes a lot out of a fighter. Like, you know, that's yeah. Jeff Lacey, Joe Calzaghe kind of syndrome. And, um, I don't think he got beat that bad though. Like, no, I mean, he, I know he lost every round, but physically he didn't. No, it was more like Whitaker Ramirez, Whitaker Ramirez, like, you know, I would say yeah. a like there too, with, with a, with a knockdown as well in the second round. It's almost a very similar in that sense, you know, but, um, yeah. But like I say, it's part of a coach's role um, and job to to try and arrest that kind of a uh, mental rot that sets in as well, isn't it? You know, yeah. Um, as well as it's interesting when you said though, tell him how to do it. When they said, you know, you need a knockout to win, you said, well, maybe they should tell him how he's going to go about trying to affect that. But, yeah. but that was funny, you know, because Roger Mayweather apparently once slagged off Angelo Dundee or was criticising Dundee because he said everybody everybody shouts him out for saying you're blowing it, son, you're blowing it. He says, why don't you tell him what a motherfucking do? He, he <laughs> said, you know, he said, well, just tell him he's blowing it. What good is that? But luckily, Ray knew <laughs> well, what to do. It worked for Leonard. <laughs> well, it worked for Ray because he knew what to do, right? Exactly. He knew what he, he had to do. And, yes. and more importantly, he could do it. Yes. Yeah. And it's the thing with Ray. He has like that arsenal and he could do anything you ask him to do. I mean, look yeah. at him. In the first fight with Roberto Duran, he was, he fought, yes, he fought Duran toe to toe. The worst thing about that fight was he did not throw a straight right hand at all. At any point in that fight, did he not straighten out his right hand? Yeah. Everything was looping, and you cannot hit. You don't hit Duran with looping shot with shots. Not generally, anyway. Like I know you got dropped when he got dropped. You got dropped by a hook and everything. But but if if you're you cannot beat him throwing hooks because he's the type of fighter he sees that. He sees your body moving. He will. Same with James Tony. You has got to be straight fire down the line and maintain. You maintain your range and distance and throw down the down the pipe. You don't yeah. come around here to the sides because they eat you up. They absolutely. That's why Duran was so successful as he moved up through junior welter and and welterweight and junior middleweight and all the rest of that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, he skipped junior welter, didn't he? He, he totally bypassed junior yeah. welter. I think he fought Joseph Zabuga there, didn't he? Well, do you know what? They, they may have been classed as junior welterweight. They were over the weight. Although I think most of them were over the junior welterweight limit as well, to be honest. Yeah. And Google, yeah. whatever his name was. He, yeah. But he didn't really, he didn't target like welterweight division. He may have he may have found himself coincidentally in it when he yeah. was getting ready to, to move well, up. He, yeah, he, he was just, uh, Duran was about that money. He was just like, man, junior welterweights. But you there? know what? Him and Aaron Pryor could have, could have, he could have fought Aaron Pryor that same June that he fought Sugar Ray Leonard. Obviously, Leonard fight was much bigger. But him and Pryor could have been a thing. 
That would have been an amazing fight. But was it, did, did Pryor have the title by then? Yes. He beat Cervantes for it earlier that year. Oh, okay. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah, well, that certainly wasn't the, the millions of dollars he was looking for, I'm sure. And after, like, what was he at, like, at that point? He, had, he was, like, 60-1 and one or something like that, Durant? He, go, no, listen, going into the Land of Rematch, he was 72-1. and one. <laughs> That's crazy. It's insane, wow. right? It's, 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 That's insane. I mean, some people argue uh, Some people argue that Durant's a great fighter now, Lee. So you will hear that. I'm not saying I, I agree with it, but you will hear that. And you yeah, know what? yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hated yeah. Durant. I hated Durant when I was 10. Because he beat Ray Leonard, which I didn't like. I'd only just latched on to Leonard. I literally only yeah. heard of him after the yeah. Dave Boy Green fight because I was only 10. But, yeah. And then Duran beat him, which disappointed me a great deal because I was also, I stayed up to watch it with my mum. And I was looking for what I thought Sugar Ray was. And I didn't see it that night. I was like, what's he doing? So then he loses. And then I read in Boxing News the next week, someone wrote into the letters page saying, people who see Muhammad Ali as the greatest don't know much about boxing. Roberto is head and shoulders above the rest. So I had a real downer on Duran for me. <laughs> you and me both. I was a Sugar Ray fan. I remember, you know, I was 79, so I was an amateur and, and new to the sport. And uh, I was all about Sugar Ray. But I I just, you know, obviously he's – You, ha how could you not appreciate him? The more I found out about what boxing was and then – and the abilities and, and what you have to do. And and I looked at I looked at him and I was just like, wow, this kid is he's incredible. What he's able to accomplish, things he's been able to do, fighters he beat, and, and technically his ability, his ability is just off the charts. He really is like he's a master yeah. of his art. Yeah, it, it, it's easier to appreciate Leonard and Ali, you know, when you're young, when you when you're yeah. a kid coming to it. Duran, you have to be a little bit older to really appreciate Duran. You know, I mean, yeah. even by the time I was 14, I knew 15, I knew exactly who he was yeah. and how good he was. Yeah. You know. Well, yeah, yeah, but, he's absolutely a different vintage, but but he's uh, a and, and you know what, his whole styles, uh, a fighter's styles reflect their personalities. And, and and my and and Duran's style wasn't my personality. You know what I mean? I was definitely much more into like I can understand Ali and Sugar Ray and you know what I mean. Even Charlie White Lightning Brown and you know all the rest of that. But Duran's personality to me seemed like like mayhem. And and I me and mayhem don't get along very well. You know what I mean? Uh, well, you know with Duran, he was. He would party sometimes, you know. They, I remember there was an interview in uh, one of those world boxing magazines after the Leonard uh, Nomads um, surrender, and they were saying that he was ticking over in Panama. He was coming to terms with the public backlash. He said it wasn't as bad as people said. That Panama didn't disown him, but it was obviously a little bit of a difficult time for him. But they were describing his regime at the time, and it said, this is training Roberto Duran style, a few whiskeys at night and a few laps at a park in the morning. You know, he'd be running, but he'd but he'd yeah. have a few drinks the night before. And yeah. Well, things you know, there's so many legends about Duran. One of the things he did, he was like he'd be able to come in after like five, six months of not training after a fight, get in the gym and box anyone in the gym, like yeah. just get in the ring and spar anybody. Have you ever seen that footage? Of him and Nigel Ben having a little move around. Oh yeah, yeah. He's Duran was amazing. That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible that he was able to do that. What he was able and he's at, and, and Nigel is sharp and ready to fight and young, yeah. yeah. And Roberto is overweight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, and he's punching not, him with he's punching him with two hands at the same time. That's crazy. Yeah. 
You know, I, I I remember, I don't know if I saw it, but I, I did that with, I was sparring with the Vito Antifermo and I did that. Yeah. And Vito, Vito got so mad at me. <laughs> what gym was that? That was at Gleason's. Okay. Could, could you get Vito on the show sometime? Um, Vito, I, I don't think he's very, um, well, I, I mean, I can certainly ask. You could try. You could try. <laughs> yeah, I can try. Yeah. Great to have him. I'm just not sure. Um, he's an he's well. an actor like Gary. He's been into Sopranos and stuff like that, right? So you know. Yeah, um, probably not recently, right? The Sopranos has been off the air for like ten years. Yeah, I'm still watching it lately. I still watch it now. I'm still working my way through it again. But this is like that's like uh, Amer American Peaky Blinders. Yeah, and I've not watched Peaky Blinders ever. Have you watched that? Is that good? I've never seen it, but you know what I mean? They got the hat like you, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I was thinking of watching Peaky Blinders because everybody raves about it, but um, yeah, they do. But so maybe I'll check it out. Um, Duran versus Ayala would have been fun, says Abid Ali in 1982. That would have been fun, yeah, that would have been a great fight. I, I mean, Tony Ayala had you know, he had everyone talked about his power and everything and his mean streak, and those being the two biggest attributes he had going for him power and his mean streak and that's not enough to fight a legend like you know Durant. to beat a legend like Duran I think um, he'd have beat the Duran that lost to Curtin and Lang but he wouldn't have beat the Duran that beat David Moore maybe yeah 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 I don't think so I uh, see Mike Ayala thinks Tony would have beat anybody Mike you know this was the interesting thing this time last year I was in San Antonio and the book still wasn't written it wasn't finished and, and I spent a lot of time with Mike obviously and we spoke a lot um and he was of the view, he thought that he was, it's his brother for God's sake, but he was saying, Tony, if he'd have carried on going on song, Tony would have beat Duran, Leonard, Hearns, Hagler. But as I said, Mike, I'm not going to lie to you. I think too much of you to, to to mislead you. I don't agree with you on any of those. I said, you know, I've got to tell you the truth. I think I think that, I think he might have beat Duran, maybe the rest of them beat him. I think, I think it's, you know, it's a fight. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't say that anyone was going to, take it to if anyone would be able to take it to Ayala and beat him hands down like clean it would be probably Hearns just because he understands range reflexes and I don't know that I don't know that Tony moves fast enough that he'd be able to get out of Hearns way the, the um, thing about Ayala was it was all a legend and it was all about potential everything to him was about his potential yeah the, the excitement about him as well as that mean streak and the savagery that was seen to be inside of him yeah. it was the fact he did things that were so nice and and, and veteran-esque even though he was only a kid yeah. he was only yeah. like 19 you know 18. yeah he, i mean he rolled with shots he would take he would he, he would do he, things that are like that are duran-esque really he looked at like he had phenomenal ability even though he was shooting heroin and drinking and he had this savage kind of you know machismo streak that looked like it was borderline ugly you know, that made people fascinated, a freak show kind of yeah. value. And, yeah. But he never, if you look at his career, he never beat anybody, really. He, he, I, don't, I, don't, I say that with all due respect to the Ayala family, you know, and Mike, and my good friend. But it was all about what he might have done, which is fair enough, because he, had, he did have great skills and great potential. But if yeah. you look at his resume, the best fighter he beat was who? Um, Carlos Herrera, right? Was he, didn't he also beat, uh, he, well, Gary Guyton, right? Gary, Gary was all right fighter. Yeah, but sure, but exactly, but you know, I know uh, he didn't fight. He didn't beat anybody great. That's for or, sure. or even that, but never mind. Great, he didn't beat anybody elite or or, or close or that kind no, of thing. Not, not elite, but elite would be great. Well, no, no, elite is elite now. Great is great forever. 
<laughs> the, the elite, yeah. Elite elite is a term I use for fighters who are in the upper echelons today. Great is something when they retire, we discuss that. <laughs> yeah. Just so, you know, we, maybe we should let the audience in, in on our grammatical arguments as well. And about yeah, the correct yeah. <laughs> yeah. also and as well. I'm sure they'd love to hear that. <laughs> yeah, but, um, well, you definitely need to take excerpts out. Yeah, um, yeah, I know, I know, I haven't seen um, Tony's record in a while, but I know he'd be Gary Guyton, he'd be Robbie Epps, you know, be, I mean, you know, he'd be those kind of guys, Mario Maldonado, yeah, like legitimate, legitimate fighters, not you know, I mean, real fighters, these guys are employed and they would thrash a lot of guys, but um, they're yeah. not world champion level either, no, so he never really stepped up. What there was massive expectations around him, a lot of excitement around him because he looked like he had phenomenal potential, you know. Mm -hmm. And obviously, to me, it fascinated me. I've said this before when we did an episode on it that I was, you know, I was only 12, 13 when I was 13 when he got um sent down. And uh, I just heard about this guy that everybody said was gonna was gonna walk through everybody and be one of the greats and was gonna beat Roberto Duran. He yeah. spat at an opponent, he was shooting heroin before yeah. walking to the ring. And then he committed rape, and I just—it just seemed—it all seemed rather fascinating to me. You know what I mean? Obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely something to. I mean, wow, to be like that full—I don't understand how. Like he has these demons, right? He obviously has this yeah. demon in him, and he's a—he's a fighter, and that—and his fighting can't fulfill that demon. Yeah, it cannot quench that. Yeah, you can't it can't be crushed by by fighting. And generally that's what it, you know, um see when you douse something with pain, like you you also want peace at some point. You know what I mean? Yeah. But maybe it's because he didn't get to that level of guy that was gonna give him that kind of pain. He couldn't understand it because yeah. this pain is one way. He dishes it out. It always goes, it's always going out. And and if you know, when you're ahead, when you're winning, you know, everyone's happy then. <laughs> Life's good. Yeah. When it comes back at you and, and pain hits you, then you have to start thinking about it differently. And and um, and that's the only time really that that men respect other men. If he has the ability to hurt me, I have to give it respect. You yeah. know what I mean? That's really kind of how it works. That's how the fight game works. It's and, probably uh, yeah, it absolutely is. It deals with the root of, of our nature, our physical and emotional nature. So, you know, there's um, a world title fight happening in Britain tonight in the UK. I imagine it's not on yet because main event's probably about 10 o'clock or something. Um, it's, I, I, and I bet you haven't heard of this guy. Um, his name's Chris Billum-Smith. He's defending the, I believe it's the WBO Cruiserweight title in, in his hometown of Bournemouth, the Seaside Resort in the UK tonight. Um, are you familiar with him? Unequivocally, no. And this is the thing. I, I don't say that to try and put you on the spot. I say it. I'm sure you, I'm sure no, you know No, no, please. Put me on the spot. Well, no, I'm sure you know, you understand the, the angle I'm coming from, is that these are so kind of marginalised today. This is a world championship fight. And it, and it's not on your radar because it's UK. It's... it's, it's... Yeah. He does leave. He does leave me somewhat cold, Billum Smith. It's far as I see him, a little bit as a domestic world champion. You know that that is a a, a thing in this. Oh, era. So he's so he's fighting for a world championship. Well, he's already got it. He won it last time out yeah. against a guy called Lawrence Acoli, Um and he he's defending it tonight against a Polish 
challenger, you know. And how um, does he look? Does he look like? Uh, explain his thing to me. What's his record? What is he a good fighter? Do you think he's, he's got? He got. Listen, I think I think he's one of those guys who would would have been considered a good fighter back in the day, you know, and would have been would have been boxing for a British title for now. You know what I mean? And maybe maybe a Commonwealth title or something. But these days, the supply and demand of world for world championship boxing, this is where it's gotten us. You know. Uh, but, by the way, did you know as well, Jay Opitar, the the uh, it was the IBF cruiserweight champion, he's boxing on that mega show in Saudi Arabia on December twenty third, right in two weeks time, and he was boxing a guy from Britain again uh, called Ellis Zorro, and he um, the, the IBF refused him as a challenger. They rejected him and said we are not um, sanctioning that fight as a world title fight, and they told him he couldn't do it. You know, you're not fighting him. You're not defending our belt against him. So what Opatar is going to be doing, because he was he's getting life-changing money, supposedly, from the Saudis for a two-fight deal, he's going to drop the IBF belt and fight this Zorro anyway, which, which to me, suggests it's further confirmation of how these world titles are far more dispensable now. And, you know, fighters actually junk them quite a lot now, uh, you know, mm -hmm. for, for different reasons. Um, so that that's where we are. So that's what I mentioned uh, Bill of Smith because I, I knew you wouldn't have heard of him and I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect you to have heard of him. And I mentioned Opitar for, as a further example of the way I just think we've lost our way with it, you know. And when that guy accuses me and Nigel Collins of, of being old school bitties yelling at clouds, I just think we've, we've lost it. Yeah, you like that, right? Because the thing is, I thought he was having a go at you because he said, oh, don't tell me the Silk wouldn't fight for whatever he was magically restored to youth and full sight. And I came back, I thought it was pithy. I said, the Silk didn't actually say anything in this clip. He said, no, but the two bitties did. That's why I wrote what I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> so I, so I got with that guy. Funny. That's <laughs> funny. That's funny. What, uh, what yeah. was it? Tell me the saying again. What are clouds? That's hilarious. That old school bitties yelling at clouds are an uh, irrelevant. Bitties, like F I. You said F I T T Y. I S. No, I -S. Bit, bitties, bit, bit as a B for for Bravo. I, that's that's a terminology I'd never heard before. I've never heard it. I don't know what it is, and I I, I don't really care. But it is what it is. It's um. And and how do you feel? Do you feel offended by that, or are you sensitive to what he's saying, or does it is it water off a duck's back? Yeah, of course it's water off a duck. Listen, I, I have been pilloried in my time. I've been pilloried. I, I don't know if you even remember that thing when the thing about the tickets happened and. And there was a big scandal that erupted all over the internet, um, you know. And I was, yeah. I was banned from from Eddie Hearn matchroom shows for life. They were saying, I think Eddie said that, although I never heard him say it, but people tell me he said it. Um, I've been absolutely pilloried. People have said, people have said I'm a fraud and I never even box. And uh, uh, you know, um, I mean, I get lots of love as well and, and tributes, you know, and I, uh -huh. I get to work with illustrious people like yourself. But there, there, there is a, a faction of the internet that, that have really slammed me, so I can't afford to get. Um, too uh, fragile about taking taking a, a mutual insult with Nigel Collins on the chin. Um, I mean, I, I hope they recognise that we're of different generations of being Nigel, but that's about it, you know. But, but no, it doesn't. Like I say, I've had it all, Silk. You know, the, if you look at the book reviews, there's some really savage, and, and it's and it's people who just don't like me. It's nothing to do with the books. You know what I mean? It's yeah, just, yeah. It's wild. It's what it is. Yeah, I, I wonder what it is that they... Do you feel the need to go deeper to find out why they don't like you and maybe do some sort nah, of... Nah, therapeutic, I, I, therapeutically, like to help heal your wounds? Nah, I, uh, no, I, I think what I've learned to do is ignore it. 
when I was still drinking, I used to get drawn a bit more, and I and I would. There was a few times because I knew who some of these people were. Some of them were working behind fake profiles, but I knew who some of them were. And there was a few people I was making plans. I'm going to go up to because they never seemed to live in London. It was always in the north part of the country. Mm-hmm. I was I was going to get I was going to get them. I was going to find them. And I was just going to jump on them and say, okay, it's on now. You know, you're going to answer to what you said now, motherfucker. But um, I don't feel that way anymore. Since I got sober, you know, a few yeah. years ago, I, I, I've just learned to turn that noise off. When you got sober, you got sense. Yeah, well, because when you when you're drinking and you're living in that kind of context of, of alcoholism. And you're always you're either drunk, hungover, or somewhere in between the two states, and all the rest of it. You're not making good decisions, and and, and you do tend to be full of more resentments and stuff, you know. And you, and you tend to be a little self-obsessed, not not in a good way. Um, so yeah, I mean, I look at I, I used to get involved in arguments quite easily. I was I was probably pretty good. Uh, you know, people would get a rise out of me at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I've I've learned years ago not to not to react to that stuff now. But, but but even now, I think some of it remains because you're, you're quick to take people to task if you don't think they're accurate on a point or something. Yeah. Well, I, and I think, I think you and I are both like that because, and I, because you no, have that. No, no, no. I don't take people to task if I think they're wrong, right or wrong. I, I no, my thing is different. I think. I but believe. you will argue a corner. Like when we're talking about the Katie Taylor, knockdown or, or not knocked down and you just kept saying play it again play it again no because i think it's very clear if you if you were to watch it my point but the thing is be... the stupid thing about that was on the day was i told you i couldn't see it the only person who was seeing it was you and every time we finished and we start arguing about what i hadn't seen you kept saying play it again <laughs> yeah so then why did you disagree with me you obviously should have just said well i trust I'd already watched it a bunch of times that's why but but i don't want to get back into that again anyway um he, he doesn't look too wounded silk says ellen yeah exactly she can tell she can tell but... so, so what do you think now now with program right what do you think he does. Well, you think he was just? I didn't realize he was thirty-five already. I wasn't sure how old he was. I, I, no, I he looks a lot younger than that. I would know. You know what I mean, so I thought he might be more like twenty-nine or something. So, uh, if, if he's thirty-five, as Bruce said, uh, maybe he is looking at the end of an of, of an, you know a top-class career. Um, well, he's got millions of dollars in a, in his bank account now. I mean, yeah, and he earned like, big money for the last fight. You know what I mean? He, cause you remember he was the one who said his check bounced when he boxed. I think when he won the, the title, which I think was yeah, vacant, yeah. the WBC like World Tour title, mm-hmm. he said that the check bounced last time. Um, but he got it in the end. But he actually put it on social media and the check has bounced. Wow. And they said, you know, why don't you hang fire before you say that? It will clear, don't worry. But you don't have to put it all over Twitter. <laughs> oh, so he got paid. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. He got the check and then didn't wait for a couple of days for it to. He he said it bounced. Whatever he he reckons the check rebounded oh, on bounce. him. Uh, he said yeah. it bounced, but but they it got sorted out. But it, but yeah. not before he he put it publicly that his check. Well, bounced. listen, as a fighter, you're on hyper alert with all that because yeah, man, you get taken to the cleanest so often. So I, I feel his pain on stuff like that. I I can to this day I still I still have fights where I don't remember getting paid for and. It, you know what I mean? People say, well, you took too many punches, whatever. But believe me, I, if I were to go back, as a, you know, you just... What about Gary? What about Gary with that Eubank fight? He says that he didn't he didn't get anything like what he was supposed to get. And the thing with Gary is he says now he's ready to do something about it. But of course, <laughs> it's a little bit late, isn't it? 
Yeah, I let it. It happened to me. I let it go because the the kind of people that had my money were kind of like unsavory. So I'm not yeah. going to open up that can of worms. That's for sure. No, well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's that's the thing. I don't I don't see you at the center of some kind of gangland kind of struggle. I don't, you know. I, I know you are, you are you are a, an intense, tough individual. I would have you in the trenches with me, but I don't say, I said it before when we had Mike Ayala on, I, can't, I don't picture you automatically in a street fight. That's hard for me to picture. If Mike says he had a street fight when he's younger, I don't have any trouble uh, imagining it at all. Whereas mm-hmm. yourself, I just, I think you're too cerebral for that. I think you probably, mm-hmm. you probably construct some elaborate kind of thing where someone stepped on a certain square and it's suddenly combusted and you planned it for like six months, I think would be the thing. <laughs> Yeah, I do tend to run things through the brain a lot. And that's sometimes, you know, like as a fighter, it's, it's much better to be instinctual. But then again, as long as your instincts have been trained. So, you know what I mean? There's the cerebral part and you think about it and you overanalyze it. And that's what happens with a lot of fights. A lot of guys in fighters, you overanalyze what it is. You um, and, and you don't get to the to the point whereas you're able to fight naturally because you're thinking about it too much. Like my trainer said, this is what I got to do to beat him. And so you stay on that, you stay on that, and then no yeah. point do you, you know what I mean? Do you shed you that? About yourself. Yeah. You, you have to do it on feel, don't you? You have to do it on feel. It really and is. When people, say, when people say sometimes he's a thinking fighter, you know this. Yeah. Sometimes when people might have called you a thinking fighter, you were actually doing it on feel and, and instinct, on osmosis. Well, you know, it's, it's really interesting, Ben, because you look at fighters, you look at things like um, – the, the Philly shell and different types of defenses and different types of ways to slip punches and react and all of that kind of stuff. These yeah. defensive moves were, they were, they were reflexes before they were like defensive weapons. Like it just happened to. Yeah. Like, nobody taught them first. And then and yes. somebody used it. Someone did it first. And, exactly. And it, straight off it, was, the it was done accidentally in the moment because that's how you preserve yourself. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. pulled back from that punch because what else would you do if someone punched you in the face? You'd pull back from it. Yeah. And then I honed it to the point where it now was, uh, you know, a practice thing that everyone else can do as well. But somebody did that initially by accident at first, and 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 they just repeated it until it started to make sense. And that's and that's the that's what's beautiful about boxing. You know what I mean? That's and that's why it's so creative and it's so like yeah. a, a gentleman can embody so many different things. I don't know it's really cool. It is. And like you say, you'd think there wasn't too many ultimately different ways you could set about punching somebody whilst avoiding their return fire as best you could. But uh-huh. there is, but the intricacies of it, I still see combinations today I've never seen before. Yes. And you think, you think you know every combination now. And yep. then you see something, whatever it is, and you're like, oh, that's a little different. And it's only a four punch combo, but you're like, I've never seen them in that order before. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. No, I, lo- I love that about boxing. You guys can still create. Um, there are those that are just, you're always able to do it different. And I think, again, I think that's so because, you know, a fighter's style is their personality. Their fighter I, I, I definitely think it is. I mean, I've always agreed with you on that. And, you know, I've probably told you this before because you say yeah. it quite a lot and I probably always say this in return, but I read a Mike Tyson interview in 1986 um, on the front. He was on K- in KL Magazine. He was on the front and he did the interview and he said, fighters fight like the personalities. And I've definitely told you this before. He said, everybody says Camacho fights like Pep. He says, I don't think so. He says, they're two totally different personalities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? He said, you yeah. need to look harder if you think Camacho fights like Pep. 
Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Camacho had a very savage side to him, and self-preservation uh, was a major part of his style. Yeah. But, but when he feels like he had an up on you, like yeah, he was he was he was vicious. And I also good. like what he said. He said, "If you're dirty, I got something for you. <laughs> if you're a dirty fighter, then he's he can fight dirty as well." You know. Yeah, he certainly could do that. And I remember he was always turning around to the back of people and punching them in the, <laughs> punching in the face. He would spin them around, yeah, like Lomachenko yeah. does today. He yeah. would, Hector would Hector could get right behind you. With a shot, you know, like when you throw, it's always hard to do demonstrations. So we're always sitting down, and that's why it's a shame we never got to do our thing when we met physically to get in the gym. But we'll do it another time. Maybe we'll do it in Saudi Arabia. But um, the um, he did that thing where he throw his straight left, the southpaw left, and he managed to, to move with it. So he was shifting and getting behind the opponent as he threw that left hand. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is, I've never quite understood how he did it. I can't, I've I've sort of tried to copy it over the years. Yeah. You, but there was something about the way he did it was very, very natural. Things, yeah, I mean, he, his whole thing was, you know, it was always self-preservation and get there before the other guy does. And that's, yeah. that, that's, he was, he was also a very, like, um, he was intelligent. You know what I mean? I don't know if the word is intelligent or, like. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Like he he operated on a genius level when he fought. Like his ability was that was that crazy. Like he could yeah. he could throw complex combinations like Roy Jones would. You know what I mean? I mean they were a lot more straighter and direct. And but, but his timing, he'd change his timing up and he'd change his angles up and yeah. just little subtle things. He wouldn't always throw it like this. Sometimes that punch would come like this. And yeah. And and, and again, most fighters. Everyone learns how to punch. No one learns to defend from a punch. So guys with defense tends to go do a little bit better. If you've got a good offense and you've got a semblance of a good defense as well, yeah. you're going to go further. And that's you know, and that was Camacho. For sure, for sure. And it's just it's a shame he left us when he did at 50 years yeah. old. It was like 11 years ago now. You know, I hear somebody got arrested for that finally uh, a little yeah. while ago. Um, yeah. You know, but, yeah, um, and and we met in Atlantic City, Hector Camacho Jr. We did, and I and I asked him where the street was. It named after his dad. He told me it was 115th in Lexington. So I went there when I got back to New York because yeah. I had a day, free day to, to look around. So yeah, yeah, I used to I used to live just a couple of blocks away. I was on one ten. Well, live in Spanish Harlem, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I lived in Spanish Harlem, right there. Game yeah. Harlem, right there. I, and, I used to to live there. So far as I lived in a in a place called the Manhattan Youth Castle. Um, in a hundred first and Lexington, and it was it was a hostel, right? But it was cool because it was run by these Italian stroke Swiss people. They lived on the border between Italy and Switzerland, and oh. they used to just they used to kind of vaguely vet who came in and make sure we were cool, and then they just used to give us keys, and then they would leave. The office would shut at six, and then basically the guests were in charge of the hostel, and 
and, and basically trusted to look after it at night time. Yeah. Did you have to uh, flog your golly to make money? Did I have to do what? Flog your golly. What, what does that even mean, Silk? I, I, I can probably guess. <laughs> what does that even mean? You've never heard the term flog your golly before? No, is that like to do with prostitution? <laughs> I mean, there's only one guess, right? I mean, come on. But you know what? It's funny you should say that because I met an escort girl there. There's this girl. <laughs> you see? What did I tell you? Yeah, see... There was this chick from Albuquerque, it. right? There was a chick from Albuquerque that I got chatting to because everybody regulars in a hostel knew each other. You know, they're all mm -hmm. international travelers from the States or from somewhere else. You know, they, they, like I say, they wouldn't be international if they're from America, but you know what I mean? There was all mm -hmm. travelers, whether they're from the States or international. And we got chatting and talking and whatever. And then she said to me at some point, I hope you don't think bad of me, but I've, I've kind of been working as an escort. And, um, and I obviously, yeah. I said, no, you know, I think she knew I wouldn't be judgmental and I'd obviously walked on the wild side a little bit you know um yeah. so we piled up and she because i was the only one at the time who knew what she did she felt i was her best friend and she would take me for breakfast and stuff in the mornings when she'd been out of work all night because she her pager would go off that, that would certainly cement the friendship if she's picking up dinner you can imagine you know and, yeah you know how, you know how i roll I, I, I forgive her a whole host of things she's gonna pay for yeah. everything yeah, do you know what? I, I, there's no moral compass anymore. It's gone. But, <laughs> so, but the thing was, no, she she used to get paid because we, we'd be in these dormitories. They were communal dormitories. When you were a little younger, that seemed okay. I wouldn't. It's not the sort of accommodation I would get now. But um, it was fun back then. And uh, her pager would go off at maybe midnight, one, one o'clock in the morning, and yeah. she'd get all dressed up and makeup and all this, and wow. she'd go out to work. But she told everybody she was doing night research for a law firm. Um, oh man! <laughs> but obviously. She wasn't, you know, but um, yeah. but it's funny because we we got quite we got quite close, and in the end, she said to me, "Listen," because she was making quite good money of a night time, yeah. So certainly more than I was busking on the subway. Okay, so yeah. this is two thousand <laughs> this is two thousand three, by the way, just before I started boxing again. Uh -huh. uh, she's actually why I started boxing again to an extent. I'll, I'll I'll finish on we'll finish on this right. So she says you can come and live with me when i get a place i like you and you know you're cool so you can come and live with me and i'm like okay cool but then we kind of crossed the line of our platonic friendship a mm. day before we were due to move into the place and mm -hmm. then she went all weird on me you know that next morning vibe you know she's like oh we shouldn't have done that or it was the jack daniels whatever um so um next minute she's been really frosty with me and and, and yeah. we're definitely not we're not we're not on there's not going to be any repercussions of what happened and, and and she moved this Aussie chicken as well, who I didn't like much, who really got my nerves. So it was like the girls ganging up on me. And then then she started this relationship with this one of the guy, one of the Swiss Italian guys. And I was like, you know what? And I'd gotten kind of fond of her. So I got so pissed off. I thought, I'm gonna go to Gleason's gym and join up. I actually did. Yeah. Um and I hadn't boxed for years. And and I started training and I really got in at Gleason's. And that that is the sole reason why I'm talking to you now, and that I have the kind of any kind of social media presence for in a boxing context whatsoever and why why i came back to the ring and everything because i was feeling really pissed off living with the escort girl in on the upper west side <laughs> oh it was upper west side yeah it was yeah we were it was like a hundred and something like a hundred and tenth in columbia or something or oh Col yeah columbia yeah it was, it columbia. was pretty near columbia. you know tom's diner you know tom's diner the famous yeah. restaurant it oh was pretty God. near there. That's just like that's three blocks from me. Are you kidding? What? What? You would you have been there two thousand three? No, I wouldn't have been. Uh, two thousand three, two thousand three. No, but a few years later, I moved up here. You know, 
That girl is still on my Facebook, by the way. So if I, I should be careful what I'm saying, but but I've said it now. <laughs> as long as she doesn't have a brother, I think you're all right. Yeah, uh, she's married now. <laughs> funny enough, to the Swiss Italian guy. You know, she's still that. Well, to, to the same guy, the one she left you for. Kind of, yeah. If you want to put it in those terms, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's all, it's all right to lose people that should be lost. It's okay. Yeah. I wish she came to my fight anyway, because obviously I started training. I remember Roy Jones had just beat John Ruiz. I joined up the Monday after the Saturday when Jones beat Ruiz. And then yeah. I started training. And, I, and by July, I got I got an amateur card and had a fight out there. Um, and she came to the fight and all the rest of it, you know, so as did a bunch of other chicks. It, it was okay. Regular chick magnet. You know, I had some girls come to my fight. It was hilarious. Over well, you, you you posted a clip the other day when you said Angelo and Lundin told them all to be a bit quiet and not to go too crazy. Appreciation club, yeah. Yeah, we had some good times. Oh my god, wow! Yeah. I'll tell you about them sometime. Next time we're in Atlantic City, I'll 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 draw the picture for you. It was wild. We got to do that every year. The AC thing, of course, amongst other yeah, things. Yeah, AC was great. It was a good time. I really love it. You, they do such a great job. Everyone who loves boxing, they should go there. You get one-on-one -on -one with like all these great fighters that you yeah, would, no other way would you see or meet. There's no way you would meet them or see them. No, it, it is brilliant. And, and remember put, putting Mike Ayala on the phone to Danny Little Red Lopez yeah. um, was kind of a cool moment. And, you know, and, and, and Scully as well. He, Scully is brilliant the way he just, he yeah. never switches off the whole weekend or the whole time. He's just doing something to, to, yeah. to raise money for fighters or pull us all together in our community. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. John's, John's, he's a, like I said, he's the patron saint of boxing. Yeah, uh, he, he is, yeah. He yeah, is. He's a good man. On that note. On that note, my Raiders are about to play. So as you can see, I'm winding down in terms of yeah. what, what I can say. As long as the Raiders are going to come on, I, I got to get focused now. Got to get my football jersey and yeah. my helmet. And uh, and yeah. Oh, this is the, uh, the uh, not eggs. This is, this is the um, Korean tea that I told you about. Same stuff I had last week. But it's, it's, uh, it's grapefruit tea grapefruit tree tea and it's really good so and this is a grapefruit at the bottom so it looks like yolk but yeah but it's no yolk <laughs> yeah good one <laughs> yeah bro no but um good stuff next time you're over you should discover this it's different than, it's different than english breakfast i know you're stuck on english breakfast but yeah. This one right here is, is going to change your mind. Open your horizons, and you should experience more things as you go along. Once you stop experiencing, then you stop, you stop growing, Ben. And, and yeah. every experience you have, you can relate it to boxing. Yeah, absolutely. Enhance your abilities. Thanks for your, uh, for your input as usual, Silk. Um, I, I, and just to be clear, because this arose the other day, didn't it? I'm the sidekick, right? You're not the sidekick. <laughs> I'm the Lone Ranger. You're Tonto. Okay. Well, I nah, think we should let the public. You know, I think we should let joking. the public decide. We should let the public decide. But um, <laughs> thanks for joining me as always. Gary will be back soon. I don't doubt. Guys, thanks for listening. We appreciate your support. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's not just a podcast. We've got other peripheral content coming at you from the world of boxing, including weigh-ins, press conferences, and fight nights. Um, be lucky. Keep punching. We we'll see you soon.
Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.